Hello, what's up? It's Aiden Jones, and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for fucking, what's today? Wednesday. Wednesday, the 1st of January, 2020. Come on. It's New Year's Day. Huh? <laughs> it's New Year's Day. It's New Year's Day, man. Come on. It's, it's New Year's. It is, man. I just fucking spent $65 on pizza and ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad! Fucking hell, man! Fifteen percent surcharge for your New Year's Day there at five hundred, four hundred gradi. <clears throat> this pizza joint around the corner from my house—it's great. I've only been there. That's only the second time I've been there in fucking like a year and a half. But um, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go treat myself, and uh, I, I was like, I'll get a pizza, which is like thirty bucks already. And then I was like. I want to get a little aperitif, aperitivo, or whatever the fuck the food one is called. You know, a little beforehandsies. And uh, so I got some olives, and I was like, you get you get mixed olives. Or what about if you get, like, a, uh, crumbed olives stuffed with bruschetta or whatever the fuck was inside it? So I got that, and I got some sparkling water, and the bill came to $57. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And um, my olives came out. It was six little, like, bready little olive boys. That was nice. And then, and then uh, you know, I finished those, and I'm just sitting there drinking my sparkling water in the sun. Beautiful. Nice bit of music. It is a gorgeous day today in Melbourne. And, uh, and then I'm still waiting, and I'm still waiting, and, it, like, I, I, I don't... <sighs> I don't even know why I'm telling this story because I don't actually care. But the food just take age, took ages to come out. I don't know. I don't know how that I react that well when food doesn't come out late. I think I'm still looking for. I think I talked about this a few weeks ago. I'm looking for, like, if they fuck up, I'm like, am I going to get any money for this? <laughs> am I going to get a little discount on my meal because it took a while to come out? The guy said, oh, it'll be out. yeah, it'll be out in like a second after I finish my little olives and then. Um, he came back and he came back a couple times just checking on me and it still wasn't there. And then he came back and he went, I'm really sorry, I've just asked the pizza kitchen. Like as if it's a separate entity. Like, yeah, sorry, this business that we contract out to make pizzas and we put them in our kitchen, but they're not, it's not me. It's not our responsibility. It's someone else. They called them the pizza kitchen. Like it was like a gardening service or something. The pizza kitchen, I've just checked with them and uh, yeah, it's going to be right there. And uh, I don't know, it wasn't even that long. It took like half an hour. I don't know what I'm complaining about. Why am I starting the year complaining? No, I'm in a great mood. It was amazing pizza. I didn't get angry. I, the only thing that happened was when he came to me and he said that, I kind of smiled curtly at him is what I did. I didn't say anything, but I was just like, thank you. And I think that communicated everything that I needed to do. <laughs> like, that's me asserting myself. You know... Um, the, the pizza took three hours to come and, uh, I didn't say anything, but boy, was my nod just short of the regulation 45 degree head tilt. Let me tell you, I was great, man. Had a nice bit of pizza there. The pizza was phenomenal. I'm just looking for different ways to enjoy basil now because I've got my garden is fucking teeming with basil oh my god overrun with basil i'm gonna have to start having periodic culls of basil there's so much 
Um, so I'm just like, let me order a pizza with basil on it just for a bit of inspiration, you know. Let's see how the pros, let's see how the pizza kitchen contract uh, hired gun chefs deal with the problem that is uh, basil. Let's see how they, let's see how they've uh, worked around that philosophical dilemma. It was a great pizza. Oh, first tea of the new year. <laughs> That's a good joke, isn't it? For the first, like, <laughs> how deep into the new year can you be saying that something's the first something of the new year? Like, tonight I'm going to go do a set and I'll be, like, on Instagram, first gig of the new year. Blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> <laughs> fucking <laughs> Of course I went to wanking Of course my next thought was First bloody wank of the new year <laughs> I just did my first load of washing For the new year Chucked him in the washing machine First load of washing for the new year um, I just paid for my first meal Of the new year I um, I, I, I mean I, I Oh Actually, no, I can't be fucked talking about last night yet. Last night was great, by the way. I hope you guys had good New Year's. It's always a lot of pressure, isn't it? I, uh, I've, I kind of, I, I, I love New Year's. I always have, and I think I will. I don't think my um, opinion of it is changing, but it can be. If you let yourself get pressured into it. It's pre- the last two years I've had have been amazing because I've not put any pressure on it. And this year we're at a music festival, and just because I was, it was, it was just me and Blake, and uh, Blake's partner and one of her mates, and uh, because it was such a small crew, it's just like inevitably, you know, you want to be around your friends for New Year's, and so everyone has their idea in their head of what the perfect New Year's is. It's just it's an emotional time. Endings. It's like a for. It's almost like a forced ending, like a release valve, isn't it? New Year's. It's like we just build up all of these stresses in our lives just from living. It's just living is just fucking stressful, you know. Things happen over the course of twelve months, like you, your life, you know, you fucking ups and downs and whatever. And um, I think that's what New Year... I, I always think about why we have these celebrations like New Year's and Christmas, like as in, oh, what's the word? Like in terms of anthropology, right? Why did they develop? Why did our like primitive societies feel the need to have that? Because it was originally like harvest celebrations, right? But I think also like psychologically, we just need something every year to kind of give our lives direction. Imagine if there was no new year. Imagine if you, imagine if like years were so long that you didn't even get to have a full one. How We'd probably just end up breaking up the year into shorter segments just to be like, the passing of a year feels like, all right, I've done something. What have I done? It's a time to reflect and whatever. And, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is even though it's very arbitrary, it's still like that time to reflect. You think about your life. You think about what's happening, where you're going, where you've been, and you fucking get emotional and you want to you wanna spend the that one moment when it all kind of changes with the people that you care about. And if it doesn't go to plan, everyone has their different ideas of what they want it to be. And if it doesn't go perfectly, then, you know, there's fucking tears, man. I saw people all day yesterday. We were at Falls in Tasmania. Amazing music festival. Oh my God, what a fucking great few days. Oh, whatever. Um, 
And we saw people, you know, I, I, I love, my favourite shit is seeing people that have gone too hard and like, because I mean, it's a music festival and it's for, it's, I'm, oh, there were a few older people there, but especially around the main stage of the two stages, just all of these young kids, man, there were a group of girls in the campsite next to us that were like, they were all 18 and <laughs> they were not smart. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, they were just young and being young, you know. Feels like someone let them out the house for the first time. This one girl, we saw her walking around. Me and uh, me and this other girl, the friend of a friend lady. I don't want to get bogged down in names, but um, yeah, me and me and this other girl saw this little eighteen-year-old girl walking around wearing like a wearing like a Tarzan type situation with the thing over her crotch and then the thing just over her over her breasts. I feel very disrespectful talking about someone, whatever. Um, And uh, so it was like a Tarzan thing, but glitter. Just like bright fucking glittery, you know, sequins and whatever. And we saw her just walking around in the world and we're like, we both turned to each other and we're like, I wonder if she's got underwear on under that. Because it was just scant, you know. And then we get back to our campsite and there she is with the, these two other girls and they come over to us and they are off their fucking heads, man. They were so wrecked. And they came over and were just like, oh, I knew. That's right. Our shit was like, they were very kind with, they were like offered us uh, to, to lend us a tent peg because we needed to make like a bit of protection because it was getting real sunny and windy and shit. But then they just kind of hung around for ages and they were like, who are you guys? What are you guys doing? Oh my God, I'm so fucked. I'm so fucked. <laughs> just yelling and not really like listening to us, but just kind of excited to be talking to some new. I like it. I like seeing that, man. It warms my heart as much as like, okay, it's young people. On drugs and drugs are bad. I guess drugs are bad. Are drugs bad? I don't fucking know. But like, a part of it is just like, it's pretty harmless fucking fun. That was a nice thing about the festival is there were so many people there. And like, I kind of felt a little bit old, you know, I'm 28 and it's like, all right, um, a lot of these people are 18, 19, 20. They're in their first few years of adulthood. And this is them going out finally, zero restrictions, zero uh, supervision and just being given free reign of this beautiful patch of land and all these acts, all these like this music and other ones of them. They're all trying to fuck each other. They are success. They're not trying. They are successfully fucking each other. The girls in the fucking tents next to us, man. This morning on New Year's Day, I woke up at 5.45 to pack our shit up. And as I got out of my tent, the one of those girls' tents opened and this dude just crawled out and like ran away. <laughs> I was like, yo, fucking get it. Go get your shit, man. Get your fucks. Absolutely. I like to see it. Even people throwing up, you know. There was only one. There was one fucking. It's, all right. So I, I had no problem with um people throwing up, you know, people fucking like stumbling around the place. Because even then, like all... I, all that we saw except for one shitty example was people's friends fucking helping them out, man. People were all, you know, wrecked, had too much to drink, got too excited. 
I think I saw someone throwing up at about midday, I reckon, on New Year's Eve. Um, but whenever you see that, they're always accompanied by, you know, a friend. Um, there was one, this actually fucking sucked, man. Um, and if you've ever done this, I'm sure no one listening to this has done this to a friend, but I fucking, this is shitty to see. On, uh, on Monday, it was like 38 degrees um, on, the, on the 30th. And uh, we were all walking back from the stage and we had a big bag of ice and this this girl, like, you know, one of these real young girls, like 18, came up to us and just went, can I have an, a bit of ice because I need to cool down? And she was shivering and it was like 38 degrees. Like it's, it's you know, it's like fucking the peak of the day, like three or four in the afternoon and she was shivering but like looked kind of flush and red and her friends, this guy and this girl were standing like five, ten metres away looking at her, like, waiting for her to catch up to them so they can keep walking and just seem to have no fucking concept that their friend might be in trouble. It sucked. We were, like, she asked, and me and Blake were, like, are you all right? Like, you shouldn't be shivering right now. Are you sure you're okay? Do you need some help? Do you need some water or something? And this fucking douchebag cunt of a dude who I guess was supposed to be her friend was just like, come on, you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry. Don't he was literally going like, I'm going to leave, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And it's like, man, your mate is fucking like clearly dehydrated or something's fucking going on. And we kind of tried to look at her and ask her like, are you all right? She's like, no, I'm fine. I'm just, but she was shivering. Ah, oh, that sucks. That really sucked to see. I think what was going on was the dude was... I think that guy, the reason why he didn't have time for what he saw was her bullshit, but was actually her, like, either either she was on drugs and they don't realise that you can take someone to the medical staff and they're not going to, like, t- send them to the cops if they're on drugs. Either that or, I reckon more likely, the dude was trying to fuck the girl, the other girl that he was with, and this girl was just an inconvenience to him and he just wanted to fucking get rid of her, you know, and didn't give a fuck. Either way, what a couple of selfish fucking cunts. I don't really have anything else to say about that, actually. I don't have anything funny to say about that, but that fucking stank. And we just let her go. I don't know. I kind of felt bad. I was like, should we have just taken her to the medical tent? But I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? You don't want to impose or like, it's it's like, is that guy going to fight us? Is he going to try and fight us for for taking this person to the medical tent? And she's going to abandon her and then she's just going to be by herself the whole time. Fucking, it's real sad. We were talking about that when we got back to the camp. That, um, I think Blake said this, that they're like, she's going to realise in a few years that those people aren't her friends, you know? Like the people that you make friends with in, in high school just because they're around before you really figure out what kind of person you're going to be. And uh, you just kind of hang on to them because they're your friends by default at that point. Um, and then a few situations like that and uh, and you figure out that they're not actually your friends. I think I did that to someone. I think I did that to my friend Ross that I was, I was talking to my mum about this the other day. Um, my friend Ross was a good friend of mine all through school. And uh, one time he came around when I was like 18, we were like 18 or 19, and we used to play... Uh, we used to play computer together, like games, you know, like Warcraft and shit. And he came round to mine one night and uh, that was when I'd started to become friends with a few people who were like my friends to this day. And um, 
my new friends were into drinking and Ross wasn't into drinking and he thought we were just going to play games like we always did all through school. And me and my friend got real rowdy and we taped we taped Ross to the kitchen door in my house because my parents are out. That's pretty shitty, isn't it? With like With like sticky tape. And he was just a very nice boy and very passive, so we just kind of let it happen. And we were just taping him to the door. <clears throat> I've always laughed at that, but when my mum said it to me the other day, I was like, you know what? That's not funny to me anymore. Isn't that nice that I'm growing like that? But I guess that was my moment of like, that was probably for him. I think that was. I think our friendship was never the same after that. Um, I think that was his moment of being like, oh, maybe this, maybe this taco cunt isn't my friend. <laughs> taco yeah maybe i don't want to be friends with a guy called taco who tapes me to fucking doors <laughs> Ugh. i'm getting too reflective lately i need to have more fun oh my god i gotta talk about mona man mona so tazzy the trip to tazzy as a whole was incredible other than that tiny little blip and uh, a little bit of tension on the actual, like, the moment of New Year's because, you know, <laughs> but whatever. The rest of it, fantastic, man. Falls Festival, uh, the 29th, 30th, 31st, some amazing, but oh, my God, Pinal. Is it Pinal or Pinal? P-N-A-U, all capitals. Fucking so good. That's a band that I had heard of from, like, 10, 15 years ago and knew their name, and I guess I kind of knew what they were about. A little bit, like the kind of sound that they had back then. But I didn't realise they were all... They, they were, you know, they just like released some newer shit in the last few years. And fuck, they were good. Chameleon. Chameleon. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, man. They had an amazing light show. The lights, actually, at Falls were phenomenal. On the main stage, the lighting displays were like to a to a fucking band. They were all so good. Um, but Pinal's one, uh, the the lead singer was this uh, black lady, and she was wearing all like a fluoro pink, I think, boob tube, and then so like across her like that section, and then across her crotch crotch region. Fucking hell! How repressed am I that I'm scared to say crotch? I think I'm realising that I don't actually like sex that much. Or I'm not that comfortable around it. Isn't that wild? I want to start talking about this on stage, but I think I'm realising that I've talked about it so freely, not because I'm comfortable with it, but as a way to pretend like I am comfortable with it. So I'll say brazen sexual things in an effort to be comfortable when actually I'm not. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. This lady was wearing... <laughs> Let me just put that one to the side for a little bit. Halt. <laughs> I'll talk about that when I have thought about it more clearly. Um, this lady was wearing, yeah, fluoro on her, on her boobs and on her crotch area. like So it was like two horizontal lines and a real dark black skin and then that fluoro colour with all the lights on and she was dancing and fucking rolling her body and making shape. Oh, my God, she was so sexy and she was singing and the band was like, it was like house, but like a live band house, but not that kind of live band house that's just a pale imitation of house. It was still good house. Ah, that's going to be the end song for today, 100%. 
Um, who else was good? Um, oh, what was that guy called? Pink, fucking pink sweats with a dollar sign on the last, like the the end s of sweats. Pink sweat dollars. He was amazing. That dude played when it was 38 degrees at the peak just before the cool change came in. He was playing on the second stage at like at like three in the afternoon in a full pink jumpsuit. And he played the shit out of that gig. Fuck, he was good. We were all standing at the back. It was too hot to go out in the sun. We were just in the shade, sweating like crazy, just all smashing water out of our water bottles. But like watching the stage and and watching him destroy and there were like fair play to the people up the front man just giving him all the love and then when the cool change came through we had time for one song we all went up there and we're like let's fucking give this dude the love that he deserves oh my god he played for an hour in 38 degree heat in a full pink jumpsuit what an absolute king um disclosure playing the midnight set last night doing midnight and then playing what did they play? They played three. They played like that thing by um, by Lauren Hill, and they played a couple other hip hop tracks of that kind of era, and then they closed with "You and Me," the the uh, Disclosure Flume collab. Ah, oh, that was sick. Um, I didn't see Wolf Mother, which I'm stoked about. <laughs> ah, fuck Wolf Mother. Uh, I, I've always known this about this dude. And you know what? I'm not even going to look this up to confirm it. I don't care. I'll slander the dude. I just don't like him because he's supposed to be a dick. Because it was a band and then he kicked everyone out of his band because he was such an asshole. And he just was like, I'm the main guy. And then they, apparently, when they, whenever he records albums, they have to get different session musicians because he's such a cunt to work with. And uh, he played after Disclosure. And I like to think that no one watched him because fuck you if you're a cunt. I, again, I've only heard that through rumours and word of mouth. I've not even looked up a Wikipedia article about it. But that, <laughs> for some reason, is enough to make me not like that guy. I think I didn't really like his music back in the day. What was it again? Oh, yeah, tell you all the story, bro. The joke around the thief and then... Nah, 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 yeah, it's shit. That's fucking shitty rock music. <laughs> Nah, no good. No, and that's the thing. How can you be a dick when that's your tell you world story about the joke around the thief in the night? It's like that's isn't that like a rip off of a Jimi Hendrix line or something? Joker in the thief. Yeah, isn't it? I don't know. How are you that arrogant? And it's it's like you. All right, cunt. You're pretty good. You got a good voice and you got big hair and you can play guitar just like every other cunt with a fucking no dad. Like, how is he that cocky, you know? I I just, um, I don't know. I Maybe a part of it is like because I don't want someone who's an asshole to be able to be famous, even though it doesn't affect me at all. I just hear about that and I'm like, you know what? Your music had better be fucking good if you're going to be that much of a dick. Because if your music's just fine and then I hear that you're a dick, I'm not going to listen to it. Isn't that crazy? Like, people always talk about, you know, if your stuff's good enough, then you can get away with being a dick. And it's like, yeah, but if you're, a, if you're an amazingly, just like a great person, your stuff can be fine, but people hear about how awesome you are and you just get to have a career. Wouldn't that be nice as well? Rather than having to bank on, like, oh, I'm the greatest. It's like, no, you're not. The Beatles are the greatest. And you know what? They were also good boys. So, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, so that if you're listening, Wolf Mother, all right, maybe just be a nicer guy, okay? That's my advice to you from me, a 28-year-old comedian who's had to get a job again in the last few months. Maybe take heed of that. He must be pretty fucking good at music if they keep getting him session musicians, hey? There must be something that I don't see. Or maybe that he's just got such a broad appeal because it really is just beige, nothing fucking music. You could put it in anywhere, you know? It could be from any era, and it, any era, and it'd still be just fine. It's just guitar, and no, nah, I just it never, never really did anything for me, you know. So fucking, so uh, even though he's a dick, still overrated. Um, who else was great? Oh, Illy. Oh, that's another one, man. That made me feel so old. Um, Illy, I L L Y. Who I. Was convinced to just like fallen off, you know. That's see, this is what I'm talking about the contrast between Wolf Mother, some afro wearing squeaky voice little cunt, and Illy. Clearly, that Wolf Mother cunt has all of the 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 talent. Um, and Illy was a dude who I listened to his album, The Chase. Fucking maybe I should put that song. Nah, it's got to be Chameleon, I think. Sorry to Illy, but um. He, he released an album called The Chase in 2010 and it was his second album and I loved it. I, I played the shit out of it back in the day and it had some really good lines, uh, some stuff that really resonated with me. I can't remember it now because it was 10 years ago but I remember being all about it and um, and I never really found anyone else to enjoy that music with because, I mean, by that point, even in 2010, Oz Hip Hop of that kind of the like you know hilltop hoods funk hordes and and earth boy and all of those guys were kind of losing a lot of momentum and so it wasn't a really cool kind of music to be into anymore and uh i never followed up with any of his later stuff and i just assumed you know that that's just what he was and i don't know whatever and then he popped up at this music festival and it turns out that that was his second album and he's done three more since then and a bunch of fucking 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds are into the new Illy shit. So it was real cool because I got to be like, oh my God, Illy's here. And I remember that album that I like and then I looked it up and I realised that the album that I liked was in 2010 and I was like, even before he went on, I was like, oh, that's crazy that like... I've, I've, I, it's, it's already, music has already passed me by, for what these, like, the fucking 18 year olds like, it's already passed me by to the extent that this guy who I know, I, he's not going to play any of the songs from the album that I liked. He's just not going to play those songs because those people aren't there to see that album. They're there to see the new one. That made me feel, I was saying that to Blake, that made me feel in a way more like tragically old. It's like, it's one thing to not know the artist and to be like, oh, I don't know this new thing that the kids are listening to, but to know the artist and also know that he's not going to play any of the stuff from when you knew him because all of the young people are into his newer stuff that you're somehow not kept up on. I don't know, man. That made me feel like, like that dude's 35, but that's the thing. He's had a career, huh? He said it for the last 10 years. Um... He said on stage, he was just like, man, this has been the greatest decade of my life, you know, from working a job and, and doing my first album in 2009 to to being able to play all around Australia and, and just do this thing that I love. I feel so grateful. 
And then cut to Wolf Mother. Bang around and now, man. The Joker, get the fuck out of my recording studio, you piece of shit. I don't know if he ever said that, but that's how I imagine him to be. Once again, I didn't watch his set. He can go fuck himself. I don't know. It was really great to see that, man, to see Illy. And he just looked like a regular dude. He didn't. He looked like he was so stoked to be there. His fucking head and neck are like the same size. He looks like a thumb. He looks like a thumb, all right? <laughs> and it made me like him more because it's like he's just a fucking... He's from Ormond. Do you know what I mean? Ormond in the southeast of, of Melbourne. It's just like some piece of shit. It's like a nothing suburb. It's just a train station on the way to Frankston. And uh, and this dude from there was playing the main stage at Falls on New Year's Eve. Ah, oh, it was so great. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And he's got a bunch of 18-year-old fans now who don't have any money. But, you know, they like him. <laughs> um... And I was going to talk about Mona, though, was what all this was kind of coming back to. I got to Mona at the start of the trip. Mona was incredible. The Museum of New and Old Art. Museum of Old... No, the Museum of Old and New Art. It should be Muana, really, shouldn't it? But it's not because the of and the and don't count in acronyms. Um, Conjunctions and prepositions do not count in acronyms, all right? So... Just remember that whenever you're making your new acronyms and you don't get to you don't get to bend the rules just to make it convenient for yourself, all right? Don't go like the museum of new the museum of old and new art. It should be Moana, right? But it's not, it's Mona. But you don't get to call it Moona just because you like cows, right? Because you put in the of in and not the and. No, it's either keep them all or lose them all. Anyway, that's absolutely not how acronyms work. People were people totally people will put, call an acronym like uh, like Moanda, if that was, if that suited their, if that was some sort of tie-in, like if that was the name of the suburb where the museum was, if, if it was called like Manda, they would absolutely be calling that museum Moanda. Is anyone still following this fucking preposterous train of thought? Anyway, it's a nice museum is what it is. Um, I loved it. I got really excited about it because it opened in 2011 and I was doing a bit of reading about it and, uh, just some rich cunt was like, let's have a museum in Hobart. Let's have one of the best modern art museums in the world and let's put it in Hobart. He was just rich enough to do that. And it, uh, by all reports, has kind of put Hobart on the map, which is incredible. Imagine having that kind of influence and that vision, you know, to have the money and then to be like, with this money, I'm going to transform this city because since that museum has been there and they, they do Dark Mofo, which is a winter solstice festival. Um, they do a festival in January as well in the city. And, uh, because of all of that, it's given Hobart as a city and Tasmania as a state, this injection of life and culture and a bunch of other stuff like, you know, wineries and other things that people that want to go to that museum, they're like, well, what are we going to do for the rest of the week? wineries why don't we go get some nice meals go see some other art shit go watch some live music and all of this has been able to thrive in Hobart because of the museum amazing so I went there and uh oh I mean <clears throat> what were some highlights of that uh seeing the giant machine um that was just like a bunch of stainless steel vats and pipes and stuff that mimics the human intestine and produces shit that was pretty cool um, there was a giant head, 
like a metal head, maybe like as big as a room, like as big as as big as a room, like as big as a bedroom, I guess. Um, just kind of decapitated on its side, and then when you look in, this was actually I think this was my favorite thing. You there are like a few like maybe three or four holes around it that are like see through plastic, so you can look inside, and inside the head there's a strobe light flashing, and it's like a flip book, you know, like one of those cartoon flip books where you flip it and, and the guy like juggles or whatever because it's just a bunch of different still images flipped fast enough. Um, so inside of this head, the strobe light had that effect on uh, – there were a few little like plasticine models inside. So there was like an apple falling off of the branch of a tree, falling down into a hand and then rotting and dissolving through the fingers of the hand. And there was a bird being born out of a flower and then flying and uh, being like closed into a book. And it took me ages to figure out how it was working. I just like went around this thing going like, how the fuck does that work? How does that work? That's so sick. And uh, eventually figured out that it was, I mean, even more impressive once I figured out what it was, it was, okay, so say the scene of the apple falling off the leaf and into the hand the whole thing inside the head was like a giant merry-go-round with each of, say, there's like 20 different stages, like the 20 pages of a flip book with the apple being there and then falling a little bit and falling a little bit more and a little bit more. Whoever had made this had made like 20 different models of each one in each state of falling and then put it on one giant merry-go-round with these bits of twisted metal coming out everywhere to support the plasticine and keep it in place. And then it was spinning around really fucking fast. Once I looked in the middle and could see the wheel that spins it all, it was spinning around so fast and the strobe lights make it look like it's falling. But I'd like did, you know, a little bit of like, okay, it's doing like that many rotations, but it was doing a rotation like every maybe three seconds or something. And the head was like, fuck, I mean, the diameter of the thing was easily like four or five meters. So this thing is going around. If you took that head off and just had the shit spinning around, it would be taking out kids left, right and center in the middle of that museum. Fuck, I would love to see that. <laughs> just an unguarded, the model of it without the head there to stop people touching it. And it's just spinning around fucking <laughs> just smashing kids in the face, running up to it, trying to grab the apple. It was going around so fast and it would have taken a big motor. That's the most impressive thing about art like that is like, okay, you've got to have the idea and communicate this cool idea. And I guess that's what art is about maybe. But in doing so, you've also like part of the impressiveness of, of like things like that, that are like physical contraptions and things that are built is like actually figuring out how to build it because even once I figured out how that strobe light worked and how the kind of merry-go-round of different scenes worked inside that head, I was still like, there's no way if someone told me how to make that, I wouldn't be able to make that. Like, I just don't have the skill of, like, welding necessary to be able to fucking make that thing. Oh, it was so sick. Or some of the other stuff. I don't know. You know what? I think that was my... Was that my favourite thing? There was, a, I'm always, I guess I'm always looking for too much meaning in art at times. Like that thing was cool because I was like, it just is, you know? It's just an apple falling through a hand. And I guess it's an apple falling through a hand has kind of like connotations about time and whatever. It's symbolic. But at the end of the day, it's just an apple falling through a hand. The one thing that I really wanted, I wanted it to make more sense than it did. 
was there was a uh, a giant immersive game. Um, what was it called? It was called Miner, and uh, it was a, an entire room. And you got you get they give you little um, like iPod touches that are they've got software for the museum, and you go around and you can scan shit because there's no plaques, so you just scan the exhibits and it tells you about the exhibit on the on the phone. And this one immersive room was uh, was called Miner, and it was about the mining industry and the way that the mining industry uses huge collections of data to automate processes. And I guess trying to basically, it didn't seem like it was judging it, but the way that I interpreted it was like, or uh, like they they're trying to automate the process to consolidate wealth so that we can't fucking. You know, the mining industry even more so. All of this wealth is going to a few people and they don't even need people working for them anymore. Um, oh, even I'm bored by that right now. Do you ever start talking about something like this is important and then halfway through you're like, you know what, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, oh no, they're, they're doing the mining thing. Cool, and they're going to keep doing it. Oh, no, oh, I know a good one. This Actually, I think this might have been my favourite one. Um, there was... Uh, and there was one of the one of the artworks was uh, a giant or like maybe like three meter tall kind of army man, um, and it was like in the vague kind of outline of an army man made of wood, um, but then over all of the wood was hung camouflage like camouflage material right. So I saw it from far away first, and I just thought oh, it's the shape of an army man and it's in camouflage, but then I saw something that I wanted to read on it, so I got up close, and when I got up close, I realised that climbing over the figure were a bunch of tiny like mini army men like you know the ones you get from Kmart when you're a kid the gray and green ones and you play with them they were like kind of climbing all over there were you know tens of them maybe over a hundred of them climbing all over this giant figure and in the panels in between where like the spaces left by the camouflage material was paintings of indigenous people so like indigenous australians just like in the bush not in houses just out you know um kind of like how they would have looked before colonization and uh so that's obviously a pretty clear message and then on the top right that kind of made up his gun was a board like a like a rectangular bit of wood and it was one of those cases with a bunch of commemorative spoons. You know the spoons that you get when you travel around, you go to like bowls clubs or different towns or whatever and you can get little commemorative teaspoons and there was one of those display cabinets with like 20 or so commemorative teaspoons in two rows that formed part of the army man and uh, I saw that and I remembered that my great-grandma, my grandpa's, um, my, gra- uh, my grandma's mum, my grandma's mum, Mama, had a huge collection of uh, of teaspoons in her house when we used to go visit as kids and they would hang on the walls. There were fucking heaps of them. And seeing that kind of, I mean, that was like very nostalgic for me. I was like, oh, Mama had those. And then in the context of the rest of the piece, it was like, well, fuck, man, this... This artwork is kind of saying, you know, that culture that celebrates these teaspoons and uh, and celebrates that as a, like, the teaspoons are basically like a memento of travelling around, see how much of Australia I've travelled over and this is our country. But that culture that celebrates that, that's the culture that also murdered 
the indigenous people that were the fucking first inhabitants of this country. And so it made me kind of contextualize myself as a part of that and go, you know what, man, like my great grandma had those spoons. Those spoons are on this guy. I am part of the culture that murdered these indigenous people. It really fucking got me, man. It was a sucker punch. Bang is how it would have sounded if they had punched me, but they didn't. They just punched my, my soul and my heart. (sighs) Anyway, Sorry this one's not been that funny, but I've had a lovely few days. I think my voice is real sore. Happy uh, happy 2020, everyone. Happy end of the decade. And uh, best of luck for the new year. I got some fucking good shit. I'm really excited for this new year, man. I'm excited for today. I'm excited to go do a gig tonight. And I'm excited to play you guys Chameleon by Pinyao. Oh, my God. Chameleon. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.
for the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.